Welcome to Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. This podcast is a collection of historical and philosophical references, contemplations, lectures, and exchanges with David M. Valadez, his students, and guests. Podcasts are recorded on the mat at the Ascension Center in Southern California and in studio. These podcasts are provided to cultivate the warrior on the way and to add light to their path. Okay, so three questions. One was more of a comment. It was referencing the ikkyo we were doing yesterday, but obviously every technique. And more of a contemplation. How do I not push uke away from me? In order to be in place for the body lock, um, and in order to use the body lock to generate kazushi versus pushing them away at the arm. And the second one was also a kind of contemplation, meaning that I don't have the answer, but I'm thinking about this, which is important. I think you should always be distrustful of answers. It's not a cute little saying, you know. It's not postmodern progressive bullshit. The reason I say you should be suspicious of answers is that we as human beings Maybe that's better said. You should be suspicious of how we, as a human being, come to interact with answers. In particular, we kind of give them a museum death. We afford them, like we mummify them. We take them out of space and time and we, without realizing we are doing it, we universalize them. And in that process, we come to do something that is at the heart of your contemplations. We come to force them to fit with the reality that we want, which we want out of fear. That all goes together. That's your ego tripartite functioning. This, this need to know, okay, is really a fear. And is it's with it's wi operating within the delusion that I can know in that way where time and space stop. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. 
in combat strategy. Um, let's just take classic military strategy. Let's take uh, Clausewitz. Okay. He is describing these common tendencies of battle. And the goal with understanding these common tendencies is to have a plan which works on the assumption that the A plan is better than B plan. And he goes into great depths. It's fascinating. You just want to take notes almost on, it's almost pointless to highlight the book because you should highlight the sentence here or there that is not a nugget, okay? Then he gets to this part where he goes, oh, oh, by the way, all that stuff I just said, it comes up against this other thing I'm going to tell you about now. It's called friction. You go, okay. You think it's going to be like the other concepts. Now, friction is basically, in light of everything I just said, what won't allow everything I just said to actually function like I just said. And one type of friction in particular I have to tell you about. It's called fog. You go, cool, what's fog? Tell me what fog is. So I know it. That's the problem. Fog is what you don't know. And you can never know everything. So fog is always there, which means friction is always there, which means my plan is probably not going to function. I posted that meme today about, right, it's a, it's a joke meme about the one dimension, you know, tactical, that's, it's very, it's, it's very common today, right? There's a lot of people who, um, who study the internet and then they will tell you about tactics and martial situations and things like that, you get it, uh, uh, you know. I've seen this one uh, YouTube channel where they, you can tell this kid can't even do a push-up. His body is so absent of muscle, he's, uh, he's basically veal, okay? He's kept in a box and he's fed milk and butter. He's just got no muscle fiber whatsoever. But he goes around and decides which martial art is real and it's not real which is crazy, right? Um, he has no combat experience whatsoever. So there's a lot of people like that, and they imagine what is effective and what is not effective. You know, they do it from the comfort of their chair, do you see? In the chair, there is no fog. Do you get it? So you don't, 
You don't have to account for fog. My two rules on a fight is anything can happen. That's fog. And then the only other rule is it's going to move. That's it. I can't tell you anything else about it. But the tactical, right, that person, they're going to tell you everything about it. They're going to tell you what's real, what's not real, what works and what doesn't work. And anybody who's ever been in it for real, here's the surety and, go, and can walk away at that instant. You're so full of shit. So that, that meme is, right, this bus got this great idea. It's going to cross the tracks, and then the train comes, right? It's like the train is combat, and the bus crossing the tracks is the tactical tactics one-dimensional, do you see? So, and this is why, as much as I kind of fooled on Clausewitz, uh, it is important. You have to account for the unknown. And a modern tactician, um, Sid Heal, was a SWAT team leader for Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office. And um, SEB, as their team is called, is their premier urban combat team. So your tier one military operations come to SEB to learn how to do it. Because SEB has urban combat calls multiple times a day, not once a year even longer. So Sid Heal was the team leader of SEB for a long time. And I like what he did with Clausewitz because he notes the fog and he describes it as the unknown, but, and it's probably not saying anything more than Clausewitz, but it makes the point more, I think, because he says fog is the unknown and the unknowable. Because when it's unknown, you think, I'm going to know it. Do you see? I just, I got to figure it out. I'm going to know it. But when you say it's unknowable, then you have to design your tactics around its unknowability. Okay? But why is it so hard to understand fog and to address it? Why is it so easy to skip Clausewitz's statement on friction. Why is it so possible to be a tacticalian, right? Because we're afraid. And what fears us most is that it's not just the unknown, it's the unknowability. I've seen this in, in hot calls. You, 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 I see it in both sides. So a dangerous call. The kind where your kids flash before your eyes, okay? You have people 
who know what they're going to face. There's no way they could know, but they know. That's how they go in, okay? But it's a kind of delusion, do you see? It's a kind of self-serving delusion. It allows them to go in and face that personal extinction. I know. And what they always know is that they're not facing personal extinction. That should be curious. That should stand out. Then you have the other person who does not go in because they can't know. They're frozen still. You see, but one looks like it's brave and one looks like it's cowardice, but they're both based in fur, uh, fear because they both reject and do not accept the unknowability. They want surety. They want a plan. They want an end result. The traditional warrior, the historical warrior of which is a budoka, does not operate through that surety or sh through that cowardice, but through an acceptance of this very real aspect of combat is fog. If you go deeper, and you have to, you'll have, uh, as another example, let me have it. Um, just kind of like the caveat I always give you after every talk. This is not true. That's where that's coming from. But take the opposite, where you're finding an answer, you're finding a system. The system works like this. So you have your Aikido, and you're trying to figure out what it is and what it does. Do you see? Well, this very idea of trying to figure that out is not your art. It makes sense to ask those questions because you're a good modern. But modernity is based in fear. It's, it's based in the rejection of the unknowability. It is a rejection of mystery. The ancients allowed for mystery and used mystery. And this art is born of those people. And in some way, the point of the art is not to find an answer. The point of the art is to be fine with fog. If you go deeper into your technical questions, You'll see, for example, why do I push the arm in Ikkyo? That is where your ability to see what is happening stops. 
That's where you, you cannot picture what to do. That is why you do the other thing. It happens there. Y your modern sensibility wants to try to figure it out. And you're like, if I could figure it out, I could replace this plan with that plan. Which sounds good in a laboratory. But the problem is every single rep with uke is different. If you repeat the same exact movement, you're going to miss it as much as you got it. But there's more. This fear is functioning at su more subtle, more subtle, more subtle, concentric aspects of our being. And this has a lot to do with why we cannot tap into the art. Let me explain. The art at a geometric level is concentrically based upon a particular view of the universe. That view of the universe is concentrically microcosmically, also geometrically happening within you at the level of your spirit or your mind or your heart, however you want to say it, not your body. Your body is moving through space along these patterns. But those patterns are also taking place energetically within you. So, okay. If I take a external geometric pattern of my body where I am pushing uke away from me, do you understand? You will see that that is not the pattern of the technique. You're, what you're drawing through space is actually not the pattern you're supposed to be drawing through space. So where, let's just simplify it, where there's a curve, you're doing a line. Do you see? Where this thing is moving, you're holding it still. Now, the geometric pattern that marks Aikido externally is a spiraling, rotating cross. That is what my body draws through space with Uke's body. Okay. When you push uke away at the elbow in ikkyo, you don't have that. Do you, do you see? Either the cross is not spinning, it's, it's not rotating, it's not spiraling. Do you see that? I have a line. I just drew a line. I stopped this cross. I got rid of the two uh, axes, and I'm now just pushing on the elbow because that's all I see. That's all I know. 
but go deeper. At the surface level, your hand is pushing on their elbow, but if you go deeper, your spirit is pushing on their spirit. Your spirit is rejecting what they're doing. So you never see a loss of the spiraling, rotating cross without what we would colloquially recognize as a fear reaction, a resistance. Which is why, as you do a different pattern, you also lift your shoulders. You also hold your breath. You also flex your lower legs. You are physiologically having a fear response. Now, as a good modern, you want to believe if I learn how to not be afraid, then I will get the pattern. But that is not a concentric model. One gives birth to the other, gives birth to the one. They happen and they arise simultaneously. They are mutually generating and mutually reinforcing. So what do I do as a good modern? Well, the worst thing you could do is try to find an answer. Because then that trying to find an answer is you're already repeating that same non-answer. You're already trying to figure things out because you're already rejecting what? The unknown, the unknowability. You, why? Because I'm afraid. I can't just show up and train. It has to lead somewhere. It has to be for something. And any practice that is operating at that level is not true Aikido. Nobody ever says, I'm sure you took any number of breaths today. I doubt even half of them were, I have to breathe. I have to understand why I'm breathing. If I don't breathe, I will suffocate. We all know it's true, but that is not how your breathing is functioning. It is simply a part of you as you're living the day. It's highly unlikely that you're like, I'm not going to take this next breath until I figure out if I should. And this is where, to me, the, the second contemplation, like, it's not really a problem. So the second contemplation was, I have suffered an injury. I came back to the mat yesterday. And you could see there was something there, right? Look the funny verbiage you use, like rejoin. Like, where did you go, right? It was some sort of crisis coming, some sort of marking of time, space happened for you. Do you see?
you know, some people, some people's work schedule, they only train here or there. Nobody says, can I rejoin? It's like, what are you talking about? Where'd you go? But there was something there, and you, you lifted hard, and you got, you pushed yourself, which is good. And then today, we did another exercise, a body weight exercise. Uh, and it, I'm tired, I get tired, okay? And we start thinking about tomorrow. Why? I don't know if I can make tomorrow. You want to know you can make tomorrow. None of us know if we can make tomorrow. We don't know if we're all going to make it home tonight. Lately, work has been very exhausting for me. Like, I started thinking, hmm, I think you had your run. I think, you, I think it caught up to you, old man. I was like, I, I don't think I got anything left. I'm very disciplined. I've been very disciplined with the four disciplines. I've been very disciplined. But I just got nothing. Uh, I meant to, but I didn't care that in between my shoulder press sets, I was laying down on the ground. And if, you, if, if, if uh, Ronan had taken any longer, I was going to fall asleep, okay? But I'm trying to figure out what is going on. It just happened so fast, you see? I went from, I'm fine, I'm, to, oh, man. And I thought, that was it. Good run. You had a good run. And it was really funny because I'm... I'm uh, talking to Tristan about a video. It's one of our, our live training envir environment videos, and I'm showing the footwork, right? And it's quite aerobic and quite active, and he makes the classic Tristan comment about what that video is called, and he ca it's called Old Man Still in the Game. So as he's making that comment, I'm sitting there going, I don't, I think I, I played my game, right? Because a lot of people don't realize how old I am. They, they, so you know I've had people younger, right? You know, like I remember when I was that age, I was like, dude, I'm older than you, shut up. So I'm thinking like that, right? But... There was an acceptance because meaning, well, I'm going to now not train at night. Do you see? I'm so tired, I'm going to go home and I'll start training two days, three days a week. Do you see that? But I was all like, no, I'm going to go die on that mat. It is no different from any unknown moment where that might happen. It's the unknowability of death 
that drives us towards trying to figure it out. Like I can actually control it. And strangely, I came across this old post of a Viking maxim. And you know, the Vikings believed in destiny. It's, it was their warrior code. Right? So meaning, the Vikings' death was decided. And so the, the Viking could go into battle because it was already written long ago whether on this day they die or they don't die. Do you see there's a kind of acceptance in that same system of thought? So I'm reading that quote, and it was all like, yeah, don't, what are you talking about? You're going to try to rest and stretch out. Stretch out to where? There is no stretching out. That's all, that is all a fear response. There is nothing to make. There's only... Breathing and not breathing. There's only what I'm doing right now. So uh, yesterday you were, you could tell, she caught me laying down on the gym floor. But when it came time to class, I'm moving, do you see? You could see the videos if you want. Um... Because I'm not trying to save anything. Because I'm not trying to avoid anything. So the only reason why I would have a concern about whether I make it tomorrow is that there's something to make. And there's not. Just be. Just be here. And what you do is what you do. Drop the need to do something more than that because that is just delusion. There's nowhere to get. It's one of the reasons why we're an independent school. There's nothing for you. There's no federation where you could start getting famous, get yourself laid, get charged for seminars, you start making some cash flow. There's nothing. We don't have rank with papers. You got no papers. There's no titles. There's no nothing because there's just the practice. Because all those things hide us and they force us to abide in delusion because they make us feel like we've achieved something, there's something achievable, and we're going somewhere. But there is nowhere. We're going into the fog perpetually. But it's so often we're making plans. Show up tomorrow. Be tired. Lay down on the gym floor. Get up when it's your turn. Lift. If you're on the mat and you're getting really tired, 
and Taylor and Ronan are killing you, you say, hey, slow down. Or you go with someone lighter and easier, but you go. There's nowhere else to be. There's just being. Moving's always better than not moving in that sense, right? Because if I'm not moving out of that fear, that's the problem. So I think it's good to have contemplations. But use them to catch yourself where your internal geometry or your external geometry is making you out of sync with the patterns of the art. That's why you have an art. It's like a template, one by which you can measure your proximity or your distance. Again, I, I always say, you all have way more discipline than me. Because that is a hard thing to come to class over. How do, how do I come to class, you know, and succeed and face this trial or this obstacle? That takes a lot of willpower. I'm always amazed at how much willpower you have. I can't do that. I, I, the willpower is, if you want to say, it's like the breathing. Just breathe, man. If, you, if I force myself to breathe, if I take control of my breath, if I make it this duration or that duration, I suffocate. I breathe best when I just get out of the way. And when you do Zazen, I know you've noticed that. It, I'm fine until I get in the way. Then I fucking can't even breathe. Well, we're doing that all the time. We're doing that with Uke. We're doing that with our schedule. We're doing that with our training. Because we can't just live in mystery. So we have kids, you're, all, you're going to school and you're doing all your plans. And today I had a talk with a, a kid I'm mentoring. And he wants his whole life mapped out. He's 16 and he's like, he got his school picked out, which branch of the military, what he should do. Uh, what assignment he's going to take in the sheriff's office, you know? It's like, why don't you just live? Life won't get in the way of those things, but you know what does get in the way of those things? Planning them. Because like that train hits that bus, life hits us. Life hits us. Boom! You're only off track because you had a track. 
Same thing with Aikido. You only, you're, you're not letting Uke do what Uke does because you have a path for Uke. But that's not the art. Let Uke do what Uke does. They are telling you where to move, how to move. But they can't tell you that till they're moving. When you have a path, you're stopping them from moving, and that's where the forcing happens. That's where you stop doing the art. So that microcosm becomes a macrocosm becomes a microcosm. It is everywhere in us. In the same way that I meet Uke in the mystery of fog, I meet my schedule. I meet the mat in Ukemi. I meet my relationship with my teacher. I meet my manifestation or embodiment of my art. This is, again, this is not a cute little hippy-dippy statement. It's not, it's not, you know, cool, man. It's not that. It is actually reason. The fog of war is what you realize through reason. Delusion pretends there is no fog Delusion, your anti-scientific reasoning it was, is what causes you to believe that you can't abide in complete knowability. It is anti-scientific to pretend that there is not this fog, that, the, that there is not this mystery unknown unknowability with which I have to come to relate to. That's your hippie magic thinking. That's your Ike fruity talk. This is sound reasoning, which is why Right, if you look at it just colloquially, culturally, and I'm sure that's, you know, you have had a talk with somebody who is 16 and has a plan for the rest of their lives, and you got two or three decades on them, and you kind of go like, you're so cute. You know, that, that expression of you're so cute is us saying, dude, that's not life. And why? Because you don't get to plan it. You're a bus on a train track with a train coming here or there when it wants. You are a Viking warrior and it is already written, but you don't know it. To, to try to abide in this knowability is just amazing 
from this point of view. That's why I say like, wow, whew, the level of control you must have is mind boggling. I was watching a, a deputy was shooting today and her rounds were all over the place. And another deputy comes to me, I'm the firearms instructor, and he goes, uh, is, it, is this Y? Is this Y? Is it X, Y? And I'm like, in my head, I'm going, dude, the reasons are so, <laughs> there are so many reasons, please take X off the table, right? And I tried to make, tried to make that point, it's like, the variables are huge. But I could see in his face that he's like, what? What? You can't just tell her this and then she's now going to be shooting? And so I go, come over here and make sure you can see her eyelashes because she's shutting her eyes every time she pulls that trigger. How about we start there? <laughs> right? He thought it was her stance. Like, if she, if you, don't you want to fix her stance? No, let's try to keep our eyes open first. Yeah, then, then we could have a sight picture, right? But if you go deeper, can you tell somebody who's flinching their eyes shut to stop flinching? No. Do you see? They can't do it because it's a fear response, do you see? They can't do it. So in my mind... I have the opposite understanding of what is going on. This is not fixable today. So there's no point in trying to fix it today. In fact, she's doing what is required to fix the blinking. Shoot the gun, let it explode in your hands, and you will get inoculated from that stress response, do you see? It is not important at this point where her rounds are going. In fact, I have had shooters where we did this drill without a target. Just shoot into the berm. You just got to get rid of this flinch response. Then we could start working on stance and grip and things like that. There's so many variables. Another one came up to me and said, like, um, yeah, I don't, you know, why do you, why do you think I'm shooting low? Because okay. the question assumes that there's an answer. Well, there is, because you're aiming low. <laughs> right? That's why the gut, you aimed low, and that's why the round hit low. But he's not realizing that he moved the gun, which is really the answer. You, you had a sight picture, but you moved the gun. You're moving the gun. That is why it's going low. Okay. And again, how do you fix it? You can't tell that person, aim higher. That does not work. He's not aiming low, right? He's moving the gun low. He doesn't mean to do that. The answer is going to be addressed through, ultimately, mystery. 
in all the little in-between, go-between things of your training and your practice, like that first shooter. She is being deflinched through all her missing. Do you see? I don't need to tell her what I'm doing. Do you, do you understand? She doesn't need to know it. He's thinking, where's my finger on the trigger? Not, you could put your finger anywhere as long as you don't move your sight picture. That's not the problem. You're moving your sight picture. But you could go deeper. Your, the sight picture is movable. Maybe it's grip. Maybe it's trigger finger. Got it? Maybe it's breathing. It, it's any number of things. So we have these drills and we do these drills, but the true skill is only going to come out through all the unsaid stuff. All that unsaid, all the unknowability in the mystery, which is why you have to grasp this microcosmic application of the arts geometry which is one of a spiraling, rotating cross. You have to reconcile and unite antithetical aspects in you. You are both alive and dying. That is how you can be a Viking. Too often we're like, I'm alive, not dead. We don't realize we're dying. I always remember that. I was a kid and someone did that joke. Like, when did you start dying? And you go like, I'm not dying. And they go, you started dying the day you were born. And it like <laughs> blew my mind, right? Shit, he's right. But do you think about that most days? You're like, no, stop dying. Don't die. You're dying. You're using time. You're wasting time. You're committed, not committed. This spiraling, rotating cross, which is a sacred pattern, cultures throughout history have represented this any number of ways. Likely because we learned, that's what I need to do. I am dying. I am alive. That's why I'm dying. They figured it out. They didn't just go back to tetherball after their mind got blown. Do you see that? Holy cow, that kid's right. Well, how do I live fully amidst dying? Well, we go with the fear response. I'm going to plan it out. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to plan it out. But now you, you, if you look closer, you're like, you're going to live for forever. That's what that plan looks like. You're going to live for forever. Life is so predictable. 
there is no train and you're not a bus, right? No, it's not true. So I, w I wish upon you that you could find a way to train like you breathe. It's just who you are. It's just what you do. It's not separate from you. There is no reason for it. It doesn't lead anywhere. It's not for this end or that end. It's how you live, but how you die. This concludes this episode of Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit sentiencenter.com, S-E-N-S-H-I-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com, or find us at Facebook at Sension Center and on our YouTube channel at Sension One. Thank you for listening.